Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. We're going to start a series today on Psalms. And this has been in my heart for over a year. Uh, last year, before Becca left for college, she was working for me, and she had actually begun working on some graphics. So that's how long ago it was, that, because I had told her that... Uh, one of the series that I was thinking about was Psalms. I, I didn't wind up using it, but it was there, and I saw it, you know, and it was like, yeah, I have been thinking about this for a while. Uh, I want to let you know, those of you that are in the room, you got a handout, and it has today's psalm that we'll be reading on it, and also on the back is a place for some notes and a list of some resources. One of those is a book that I am uh, using quite a bit in this um, understanding how to uh, understand the psalms, and that is uh, a book by Trimper Longman, so I'll be quoting him a good bit. But As we read the Psalms, we are entering into the sanctuary. This is from Trimper's book. The place where God meets men and women in a special way. In the same way that the sanctuaries of the Old Testament, primarily the tabernacle and the temple, were considered to be at the physical center of the people of God, so too is the book of Psalms in the middle of the Bible. Now, I don't know if any of you carried your Bible here with you today, but if you have a physical Bible and you just simply try to thumb where is the middle and open it up, more than likely, you're going to be in the book of Psalms. It, is, it doesn't quite look the same if you're on a Bible app and trying to find it. But in, in a physical book, the book of Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. Now, how have the Psalms retained their appeal through the ages. And when I say through the ages, we'll talk about this some more, but the Psalms are thousands of years old. (laughs) They were thousands of years old at the time of Jesus, at least many of them were. But they were the songbook, they were the prayer book that was used even in the time of Jesus. But, and they are still some of the most precious scriptures to many of us. How have they retained their appeal for so long? Well, here's a couple of thoughts from two of the fathers of the Protestant church. So Martin Luther says this, in the Psalms, we look into the heart of all the saints and we seem to gaze into fair pleasure gardens, into heaven itself, indeed, where blooms in sweet, refreshing, gladdening flowers of holy and happy thoughts about God and all his benefits. 
John Calvin said, what various and resplendent riches are contained in this treasury. It were difficult to find words to describe. I have been wont to call this book, not inappropriately, an anatomy of all parts of the soul, for there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. <laughs> so my friends, whatever emotion you have come into this room with today, it's contained in the Psalms. Whatever spectrum you might experience emotionally, it's contained in the Psalms. So do you have a favorite Psalm? If you do, I would love for you to just write it down. Like, you know, what is your favorite? If you know it already, like what is your favorite Psalm? Um, I can come up with several that, that I think of. Psalm 30 is one of them the, from the song that we sang. Uh, Psalm 8, Psalm 23, Psalm 91. Uh, so, you know, there are certain Psalms that are just going to be your favorite. And as we are in this series, I want you to uh, continue to think about that and, and to... Um, embrace what that psalm is doing for you. You might be surprised as you read through the psalms to realize how familiar some of them are to you because they do serve as the lyrics for many hymns and anthems and songs of worship. We're going to be ending today with another worship song that comes directly from the psalm that we're reading together. So Trimper Longman states that the Psalms appeal to the whole person and they demand a total response. They inform our intellect, arouse our emotions, direct our wills, and stimulate our imaginations. When we read the Psalms with faith, we come away changed and not simply informed. Of course, the whole of scripture is radically life-changing, but <laughs> Trimper says the Psalms address the modern Christian in a more direct way uh, than say the last half of the book of Joshua, which details the geographical boundaries of the 12 tribes of Israel. Within the Psalms, it is easy to feel that it is immediate and of the now. For you, even though some of the language may sound from old times. So each Sunday in this series that we're doing, I'm going to share a bit of information about the Psalms and then spend the rest of the message in a particular Psalm. So for today's about section, I want to discuss the genre of the Psalms. Genre meaning what type of writing is this? The overall large category for psalms is poetry, and not just any poetry, specifically Hebrew poetry, which has some identifying characteristics. Two of the most easily identifiable are parallelism and imagery. We will see each of these in our psalm for today. But within that big umbrella called poetry 
are some subgroups within the Psalms. There are at least seven different kinds of Psalms, all right? There are hymns, laments, thanksgiving, remembrance, confidence, wisdom, and kingship. So we're not going to explain all of those today, but I do want to speak a bit about the first two. So hymns um, within the Psalms have a similar basic structure. They will begin with a call to worship. And then they continue on expanding by reasons why God should be praised. And then they often include further calls to praise. It's just as ongoing call to worship the Lord. They're exuberant. They are uplifting. They are focused on God and his character and his being. And they call us into a response of worship and praise. Another type of psalm is lament. And it is the polar opposite on the emotional spectrum from the hymns. There are more laments in the Psalms than any other genre. Within the laments, we find three types of complaints. So it could be that the psalmist is troubled by his own thoughts or actions. It could be that the psalmist is complaining about the actions of others, his enemies, those people out there <laughs> that are driving me nuts. Or it could be the psalmist may be frustrated by God himself. Did you know that there are prayers contained within your Bible that allow you to complain to God about God? Um, it's there. Here's what's different about the types of complaints in a lament. It is a complaint that is openly brought to God in relationship with God rather than a grumbling against God, similar to how the nation of Israel did in the wilderness. They just grumbled. A lament is one of the deepest expressions of faith because it allows space for mystery and confusion and questions and fear and disappointment and discouragement while also affirming trust and confidence in God. So the psalm we're looking at today is Psalm 57, and it is a lament, okay? So we're going to look at it together, and I'm going to read the title. Some psalms come with titles, and so I'm going to include the title. Um, scholars have pretty much landed that we should not consider the titles part of the inspired text, and yet they can be useful when we're looking at the text. So the title of this psalm says, For the Choir Director, a psalm of David, 
regarding the time he fled from Saul and went into the cave to be sung to the tune, Do Not Destroy. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. Interlude. You may know that word better as sila. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Father, open our ears to hear what you have for us from this word today. Anoint me as I preach it, and I thank you for your presence here with us. Amen. Well, first off, I find it to be very true <laughs> that the Psalms capture us fully, engaging our intellect, emotions, and imaginations. This Psalm is such a vivid picture of danger, juxtaposed with this overwhelming view of the grandeur of God Most High. Just reading through this psalm is an encouragement. The poetic feature of parallelism is shown in several places. So verse 10 is an example. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. So the second line, in essence, is restating the first, but in a way, it's carrying it a bit further. And that's the way parallelism works. It's, it's reinforcing what's already been said and yet and progressing it a little bit further. The lament in this psalm is crying out to God for mercy, for protection, for rescue, 
And the complaint is of the fierceness of these enemies. And it talks about their ferocious teeth and their vicious tongues and, and this sense of being surrounded and of being trapped. I mean, it, the imagery is strong. And the imagery in the Psalms is there to allow your imagination to go ahead and paint in some pictures there. It's not meant to, to be dry, and, and, and it is supposed to spark our imagination, all right? The confidence is that God will rescue, that God's love and faithfulness are as great as his name. David declares that he will sing. He's going to awaken the dawn and sing praises to God among the nations. But from the title, we learned where he was writing this psalm. He wasn't on a platform able to reach the nations as he was writing this psalm. He was in a cave hiding So I got to thinking about that and about caves in the Bible. So th there are two contexts that mostly came to my mind as where caves are thought about in the Bible. One is a place to hide, and the other is a place to bury the dead. So we know that David was hiding in this cave. And I believe that he, there, throughout the story of David, that this happened more than once. We, we know one time that Saul himself came into the cave where David was hiding to relieve himself. And, and David had a chance that right then and there, he could have struck Saul down. But he was determined that he would wait on God and not lift his own hand against Saul. There's another time that another person was hiding in a cave in 1 Kings. After Elijah had called down the fire from God to burn up the sacrifice and he had totally defeated all the prophets of Baal. Then what happened? Well, Queen Jezebel threatened him and said, I'm going to kill you. And he got afraid. <laughs> and he went out and said, woe is me. I wish I were dead. I wish I could just die. And God led him forward, and he, and he winds up at Sinai in a cave. To which then God comes to him and says, What are you doing here? <laughs> so when we're thinking about these caves in the Bible, it make me think, what is making me afraid enough to hide? What cave have I found to sort of back into so I can't be seen? Keeping me from coming out into the light. What spaces in my life would be a place where God might come to me and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> Why are you hiding?
The Psalms are a place for us to come into the presence of God. That's, that was the introductory statement from Trimper Longman in teaching us how to read the Psalms. It is meant to be a place of meeting with God, to immerse our very real selves into the experience of God's reality. And the lament psalms are especially suited for this. They address the hassles and the obstacles of life. So what is it that causes anxiety to rise in you? You can feel your stomach turn or your breathing tighten. I invite you to this psalm, <laughs> written from a cave, surrounded by enemies, in deep need of rescue. And how he called out to God. <laughs> this psalm guides me in praying for deliverance, to envision the threats you know, he, he was very articulate in describing exactly what he was afraid of. It, we don't go into denial. We don't go into saying, ah, oh, it's no big deal. He fully envisioned it, but then you don't just stop there. You envision God as your protection, your rescue, the merciful one whose love knows no bounds. So worship the Lord in times of fear. Remind yourself of the confidence in God in the middle of the fight. Don't stay silent in the cave, but sing out your praises to God. And also, caves were a place to bury the dead. And I want to encourage us to worship the Lord in times of death. We know the story, Abraham purchased a special cave to, to bury Sarah, and the, and the family was buried there. Of course, Jesus' tomb was a cave-like structure. An important facet of reading the Psalms that we'll keep talking about is that Jesus taught that the Old Testament, including the Psalms, spoke of him. And we can read the Psalms through the prism of Christ's cross, his burial, and his resurrection. So I want you to think about what has been buried. What dreams have died? What beliefs have dried up and withered? What part of you have you sacrificed to necessity? But now it is time for resurrection. We know of one cave that is still empty because to this day, Jesus, he was raised from the dead and we believe in the resurrection power of God in our own lives. So, as we consider 
what has died that needs resurrection, I direct us again to this psalm, to worship with this psalm and trust God for that resurrection power. I'm going to invite Rachel to come on back up and be ready for this because I feel like sealing this with a time of worship that comes directly from this psalm is going to be helpful to us. But look at the last half of this psalm, beginning at verse 7. The psalmist says, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Friends, can we get to that place where even after you've listed off the enemies and their ferocious sharp teeth and their tongues that are cutting you and and however bad it looks, can you get to the place where you can say, no wonder I can sing your praises because I'm so confident in my God. Wake up my heart. Wake up, oh lyre and harp and drums and piano and guitar and harmonica and ukulele and whatever else you might have before the Lord that you can wake up. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations for your unfailing love. Is his love unfailing? Has his love ever let you down? His unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Does anybody in the room have a fear, an enemy that's come against you that you need to worship the Lord to have that thing dispersed and overcome? Do you have something that has died, that has withered up within you, that you need the resurrection power of God to come and restore that thing? I invite you at this moment to worship the Lord together and let's see how God will be at work in that thing. Let's stand. This is going to be the way we're going to end today. We're going to stand and we're going to worship the Lord with this psalm, the words that come straight from this psalm, and trust him to do the work in our life. Church, if you'll let me for a moment just operate in a, in a prophetic way. There's something about the reality of how David said from that cave that he would sing before the nations. And I feel like there are some of you in here that have a sense of a call where you would have the ability for the praises that you would give or the the words that would go forth from you would be heard among the nations. But right now you feel so very isolated, so very hemmed in, so very confined (laughs) that the only people that are hearing you are yourself and the walls around you. And I believe the Lord is saying today 
don't stop <laughs> singing forth his praises even in that confined space because you are speaking forth the truth of what God has for a time in the future. Just as David would not lift his hand at the wrong time, he would not force God's timing. We have to understand that part of it, but I don't know if this is for one or more in here, but I believe there is a word for somebody in here today. Do not lose hope. Do not give up. And don't doubt the call because of the darkness of the cave right now. If you're in that cave, it may well be God's got you there protecting you. But he's going to bring you out. And at the right time, he'll come and say, what are you doing here? And he'll call you out. And he'll bring you into the light. And it's going to move forward. Amen. Amen. I want to close in prayer and then send you out with a blessing. If there's anyone here that has not said yes to Jesus, <laughs> that has not received the love of God poured out in Jesus Christ into your own life, whether you're here in the room or joining online, I want to invite you, today is the day. It is the day to say yes. So as we are closing in prayer together, I'm going to include a prayer for you. So let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, O Lord, for your steadfast love, for your faithfulness, that you have raised Jesus Christ from the dead and given us hope for all things. For that one who is saying yes to you today, Jesus, I pray that you would enter their heart in an undeniable way, that the change would be instant, that the joy would be overflowing, and that they would sense the, the reality of freedom in Jesus Christ because of the love that you've poured out. And I pray for every one of us, those that are facing times of discouragement and fear and uncertainty, God, that you have called us into this place in the Psalms, this sanctuary, to be together with you, to be wrapped up in your love, to meet with you and to be in encouraged in you and to know that you indeed are going to carry us forward that you do have the path forward for us and no matter how dark it seems right now we can still sing be exalted oh god be exalted your faithfulness is above the heavens your love is above the clouds we trust you oh lord and i thank you for it in jesus name in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hmm. So let me send us out with a blessing today because this is the truth from the scripture. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face 
shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Let's go in the name of the Lord. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.